0: This is the ATP Tennis Radio Podcast. Hello and welcome to another show. I'm Seb Lozier and we are in... ATP Masters 1000 mode. The Western and Southern Open is underway in the build-up to the US Open. Both events being played in New York. And I've been speaking this week with the world number eight, whose seeding in New York, will be a little higher than that. He is 24. He's native of Rome, climbed 44 places in the ATP rankings just last year. His forehand is one of the most feared shots in the game. This is, of course, Matteo Berrettini. Matteo was battling an injury and only played two matches this year before lockdown. But he's now back, fit and raring to go.
1: I'm pretty excited to start playing again. Especially because I mean I was injured at the beginning of the year. So I played just two official matches. So really cannot wait to play again
0: had a hernia, didn't you, earlier in the year. Um, are you feeling back to full fitness?
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, I get injured at the end of last year. Actually, you know, when I played the finals and then I went to playing a tennis cup, I felt something dead on my hip. Then I thought I was better. And during the, the pre-season, I felt it again. Then I played Australian Open. And I, during the, the last match in Australian Open, I felt it again. So we decided to stop for a bit, a bit longer. And unfortunately... I skipped all the South American swing and then I was ready to play Nino you know, Wells <laughs> and again unfortunately the, the the virus arrived so I mean I was ready, I wasn't that ready like I am now but I was feeling good and but I have to say the, the quarantine, the lockdown helped me to get you know better physically.
0: What were you able to do in lockdown that perhaps made you a little bit more ready?
1: Yeah, I mean I I have to I have to be honest. I was pretty pretty lucky because I was in Florida for the first three, first 3 months where when in uh, in Europe was pretty bad, you know, the situation was pretty bad, spe- especially in Italy. I mean, I live in Monaco, but still it was bad. So there I was able to practice with my girlfriend. There was a lockdown as well in Florida, but we had a private court where we could eat, so it was it was really good uh and then when i came back to europe it uh, started to be bad in florida so <laughs> i actually I actually was running away from the virus and and when when i was in europe in june july it was good i was able to play some exos and practicing with my team again so yeah it uh, helped me to have more time you know to to think about my body and to realize what happened last year, all the matches, all the crazy stuff that I've done, and uh, so also mentally, I have to see. I have to say I'm in a better place now.
0: And now you're in America, obviously. And this must all be very different, Matteo. What, first of all, what's the players' bubble like, and, and how have you settled in?
1: So different. I mean, I I played like the US Open so far. And here it's crazy, you know, the atmosphere, how many people normally they're hanging out here, uh, the crowd, it's pretty pretty loud, I have to say, but I, I love it. As you you can say from my result last year, I I love the city, I love the environment, so it's pretty weird. I have to say there are a lot of players, coaches, so we don't feel like that, that it's that empty, but at the same time, without crowd, it's different. So it's weird, it's going to be weird, but I think we have to adjust a little bit No, I mean uh, we have to adjust we have to be able to to find a solution and likely so far we found it and let's see how we're gonna handle it in the future
0: and what have you been told about how it's all going to work I mean give us some examples of just little things that you're having to do differently on a daily basis
1: for example there are especially in the hotels there are like this sign that is saying if you if you cross this line you're gonna be it's qualified from the tournament, <laughs> so it's something that is pretty unusual, you know. Like uh, it's pretty harsh. I mean, you see it and you say, "Wow!" <laughs> but then at the same time, you it's for our health. I mean, it's it's pretty weird that you cannot hug with you know like other players or let's say sh- even shaking hands. Um, with the thing with always wearing a mask and you know like taking care about like thinking about what you're doing with your hands, uh, like cleaning everything that you're using so it, it's weird it's weird and we have to be really good at this uh, because it's important for like i said for our health and for sure we are not really used to it but we have to get used to it because it's a. Uh, important
0: and you've got a smaller team working with you um obviously fewer people around you D- does that also include your girlfriend who you mentioned she's a wta player isn't she isla um i mean are you allowed to see her uh, how, how many people are you allowed to sort of be in close contact with
1: yeah i mean it's uh, it's weird i i have my coach here and my physio so we have all separate rooms. She has like you, there is a rule where if you're not sharing the room or the room with anybody, if that person is gonna get, I mean, gonna get positive, then you're you can you can still play in the tournament, you know. So that's one one rule, and that's what we're trying we're trying to do. So we're hanging out. We are respecting social distance. I mean, of course, it's my girlfriend, and I didn't see her for two months and a half. So you can't you can't say that it's not it's not easy. But we are trying to you know to be uh, especially in public, like know that I mean we are not really uh, I don't know how you say in English, but normally we are kind of shy, so we are not showing showing off too much. But it, it, it's it's tough, it's tough, but it's tough for everyone. But if you, I, I think you should create your like your entourage you know like your team the those, those two or three people were that you're hanging out with and then the rest of the players they understand that you cannot hang out too much you know so the good thing is we are getting tested like every every four days so right. this is good and keep us like really safe and ensure that nothing can happen but at the same time you have to be careful.
0: And you're not only playing a Grand Slam, you know, it's, it's also a Masters and a Grand Slam straight off the back of a Masters, which, you know, is pretty unprecedented. I mean, how tough is this going to be in terms of getting your head around that and also for your body?
1: It's going to be tough because, uh, uh, like I said, I didn't play so many matches this year. Normally, when you get here, uh, last year when I get here, I played more than, I think, 45 matches. So you're feeling like good. You're feeling that you play a lot of matches. You feel the confidence. You feel you're feeling kind of tired for the season, actually. <laughs> now you're you're fresh, which is a good thing. But at the same time, you don't have that rhythm, especially in the games, like in the, in the matches. So I have to say it's going to be tough. It's going to be, I have to maybe the best of five is going to be tougher, physically, especially. But it's all about uh, like getting used to it. For sure, this, in the first tournaments, we are not gonna play our best tennis but during the season hopefully this is gonna happen
0: in many ways this will be the hardest grand slam to win mentally having to you know deal with so many things electronic line calling fewer people in your team but on the flip side you know with so so many big names not in the draw um, and some really big names um, above you in the world rankings it's a big opportunity isn't it for someone like you
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, for sure. It's gonna be difficult. It's gonna be different. Like like you said, it's true. Like <laughs> big names that are not in the draw, but also the other guys are <laughs> are really good. So like I, I think you can see in every tournament. Like also last year in uh, in U.S. Open, I played against guys that were like ranked outside of the fifty or sixty, but I had like really tough tough matches. So. Every every match is a, it's a battle. You have to be ready. All, all the guys are playing. Like I think the level, the average level is high. Is getting higher and higher. So yeah, it's gonna be a big opportunity. But you have to be. I think uh, that's what I'm saying. At least this is what I'm saying to myself. You have to be aware that I'm not expecting to play my best tennis here. I I just wanna play again. I just wanna put all the energy that I have that I kind Of felt like during this lockdown period, and nothing then. We're gonna see what is gonna happen.
0: You do have some great memories to call on, though, don't you, from from last year. I mean, becoming the second Italian man to, to, to reach the, the semi final, um, you know, at the US Open, um, first since Corrado Barazzutti. I mean, how what did that mean to you, first of all?
1: It was crazy, and it's still crazy for me. I mean, I I stepped in. In the on site here, you know, and I, I saw like so many places, and it's crazy that it's been already one year. It meant it meant everything. It meant that I mean all all the practices, all the years of not struggling, but you know, like training hard and working hard. And I I felt that I was really like in the in the place where I wanted to be when I was a kid. So that's what I what it meant for me. But at the same time, it gave me so many motivation because i mean i lost i lost in semis and uh, and i felt that i had to improve if i want to be like the best guys in forth so it's kind of both like feelings you know like happiness but at the same time it's kind of anger and good anger that it helps you helps you to to get better to to go back in the gym on the court to to get better
0: i was going to ask you what you learned from you know, your run at the US Open last year. I mean, the quarterfinal win against Gael Monfils was just a stunning, stunning match to watch. It must have been wonderful to play. And then, you know, facing Rafael Nadal in the semi final. What, what do you take out of those two matches? I know they were so very different.
1: First of all, two great, great experiences. You know, um, like you said, good tennis, uh, good level, um, especially, I have to say, with Gael and the first two stats with Rafa. What I learned it's that next time what I said to my to my team when I stepped out from the court and they look at me like, oh, wow, this guy's already thinking ahead. But I said, guys, next time I want to win this match, I don't want to feel tired at third set. I don't want to, you know, like kind of uh, feel that it that is the max that I can I can do. So the max that I can achieve right now. I mean, it was normal because I played so many matches, uh, so many, you know, like feelings I had to so many new situations, you know like being in a semifinal in an art rush stadium is not something that is happening every day. So the stress that I, I felt wasn't wasn't normal. So uh, Rafa, I don't know how many, how many semis he played in a slam. So for sure he was uh, more ready than me to play that match, but that's what I, I said to my team I wanna be I want to be ready physically better I want to be ready mentally and also my tennis has to has to get better to, to be able to beat this guy in the next semis that we're going to play.
0: Because a month earlier, you'd played Roger Federer at Wimbledon and you were very honest after that match too. You said then that you didn't really feel ready to face a member of the big three in that kind of match. Why was that? Why did you not feel ready at that point?
1: I think that the match, wasn't. I wasn't feeling ready, not about tennis-wise, but about like... <laughs> Uh, my mental mental mindset at that time um, I mean for me Roger like I said all the time for me was. I mean when I was a kid I was watching him I was cheering for him so for me being there um, playing center court in Wimbledon that is one after Rome I think it's the best tournament uh, sorry US Open I know but <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> I have to say Wimbledon is like uh, the best place to play to play tennis and in that court with him I mean I I was there, but I wasn't there, you know, like I, will, I, I, I wasn't sure if I was still dreaming or I don't know what's, what's happened. So I really enjoy his experience. I've learned a lot from the, that experience. And the next time, the next time that I play against him in, in London, in the finals, I, I was more ready. I, I knew a little bit more what I was, you know, was expecting from him. So it's like life, you know, like you do mistakes, you do things and then you learn from that and you get better. That's what I try to do and also that match in women helped me in the the match against Rafa in the
0: You mentioned the the NITO ATP finals ended your year last year. I think you started the year ranked 52, ended the year ranked 8. I mean, looking back now, it was just an incredible year. What was it that came together for you in the course of that year?
1: Oh, so many things, you know. Like, yes, we we should talk for three hours, but um, I think at some point I, I was struggling at the beginning of the year because I, I mean, the year before was good. I won my first ATP title. Yeah. I I started the year the year before I was 130, and then I finished that. I was 50 something, so it was good. Like, I was a good year, and then at the beginning of the year I was struggling because I wasn't really enjoying, I wasn't feeling that anger, that, I don't know, that fire, you know, like to get better. And then I lost a couple of matches that at the beginning didn't hurt, but then they hurt it like, like crazy. And I remember after Monte Carlo, I lost Dimitrov. I spoke with my team and I said, okay, guys, now I'm feeling like really the anger. I am feeling like I want to destroy everything. So... I'm gonna get. I, I'm gonna get better. Uh, trust me. Something changed inside, and since that moment, I really felt something changed. I felt like some kind of new motivation. I didn't. I, I wanted to feel like really. I was putting everything in the court, no matter what. So that was the figure. Of course, my forehand, my 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 serve, like the, the fact that I was playing. I had to say, I was feeling comfortable on grass, on clay, on hard. but I think that the, the best part, I mean, the, the most important thing was my, my mindset.
0: That's incredible. You, you, you really, you found your motivation. Have you worked out where you managed to do that? How did you do that?
1: It's a, it's a long process. It's not something that's happening like <laughs> in two hours. Because it's it's something that started when I was a kid, when I started to know myself, you know, I, I, I know myself, I know that I had to get to a point where I feel like really destroyed to start again, to stay, to get better. So uh, my coaches and my team weren't like really worried about it. They know that I was about to get there and then and then I just, mm-hmm. like I said, I just learned from, from what happened before. And I said, okay, I don't want this to happen again. So let me do something to not make this happen again. And that's what I, what I try to do every match, every new matches, every new experience. I just, I was just thinking, okay, last time this happened. So you act in this way and didn't work out. So let's try this one one. It's, not, it's easy to say, but it's when you're in the court especially, it's not that easy to do. That's why you need a lot of time to get over these things. But I try my best and I know that there was the right thing to do and I guess worked out pretty good.
0: Yeah, and that took you, as you said, to two titles last year. You, you've won three ATP titles in all. You had start the first one, in, in 2018. Two last year, Stuttgart on grass. Budapest on clay which is the most special for you uh, of the three
1: they're all kind of special Um, I mean the first one is the first one you know and came out came out of nowhere like I I went there with my with my friend slash coach I mean now he's in my team but at that time he was like more my friend and we went there and I didn't really like to play in altitude and but from the first serve that I hit I was like okay now nah, here is going to be tough to break me. So uh, I felt that, that, you know, those conditions were feeling my game pretty much and and nothing. And we got, uh, I mean, day after day, I was feeling better and better. I was playing singles and doubles without like even struggling. And I was feeling good. I was in a good place also mentally. So it felt like kind of easy, but it wasn't easy. So the first one is the first one. I have to say, Like I told you, Budapest came after Monte Carlo, so after like a tough period. So was special for that. And Stuttgart, it's special because it's on grass, which I never expect because, I mean, the the year before I wasn't feeling that great on grass. And then as soon as I stepped in the the court in Stuttgart, I was feeling unbelievable. So I don't know what happened in (laughs) in that year. And, And I also think that the tournament was really strong. Like it was a 250, but I was, I think I was 30 my ranking at that time was 31 32 and i wasn't even seated so i think i think that the level was pretty high and that's why I was really happy at the, uh, at the at the end of the tournament,
0: Matteo. It's wonderful talking with you. I do want to ask you. I can't talk to you and not ask you about your your forehand, which you mentioned before. It's such a massive shot. I also want to ask you about who who inspires you and and the, you know the the fact that you're such a proud Italian. But let's start with the, the the game. You know the the forehand. It's it's one of the biggest shots in the in the game. Um, how did you come to have such a huge forehand? Was it was it all power or was it all technique? How how did you build that? Uh,
1: it's a uh... It's a mix of things. Uh, I I mean, since I was a kid, I was playing better forehand, the backhand. Uh, I was, you know, I grew up on on clay. So it was all about like spinning and running around the the forehand. And I don't know, like I had to say, I don't have like a really clean technique, but I have to say it works out pretty (laughs) pretty well. Uh, So at some point my coach, really want me to he saw that I, I could put a lot of spin on my forehand but he wanted me to put more weight you know like he want me to make my my shot more heavy so we work on that and uh, and then i remember so many times we were work, working a lot to be aggressive like he he saw that i could be dangerous with my forehand so sometimes he was asking me to go over it and over it like hitting harder than i can to to get used to it to to be able to hit like you know without even thinking so that was the secret and then i felt comfortable i felt that i that uh, when i was hitting hard and really strong i i wasn't feeling oh wow the ball where where the boy is going you know like uh, i i lose control i was feeling i was feeling good so so it's about i think i have a loose loose wrist loose hand and at the same time I, i'm strong upper body so that those ones are i think one of the, the secrets of my, my shot.
0: It's such a powerful shot. But we've also seen you work on your you know your slice backhand, the touch, the, the coming to the net. What what style of play do you enjoy the most?
1: Well, I mean, like I told you, I, I grew up on clay, so I like to play from the baseline. But we're trying with my team really hard to, to move, to, to play to, to the net often and often. Um, I like to slice like you said uh my, my coach coaching he used to play and he used to play just slice so he taught me that shot pretty i mean a lot and especially because i get injured twice on my left wrist so there were periods where i could play just slice so i guess there i really learned how to to play it and nothing yeah we're trying to mix up it's good i i can mix like with spin with my forehand with slice with the backhand it's important to not play too flat, to have more time, like I said, to play more forehands as possible. So that's the, the way I like to play.
0: Two quick questions to finish, Matteo. Um, first of all, who inspires you, you know, of, of your fellow players? Are, are, we, are we looking at, you know, countrymen like Fabio Fanini and, and younger players like Yannick Zinner? Or, or, or do you take your inspiration from, from elsewhere?
1: It's kind of weird because, I mean, I, I, I'm from Rome, I was born in Rome, so in Rome, like tennis, when you say tennis, you think about Panatta, one of the best players that we ever had, and he's such a nice guy, actually, I met him so many times, so he spoke about tennis and not just about tennis, so I have to say he gave me also some tips when I was younger. But and then I have my I had my coach. I I I was always always crazy about tennis, like playing tennis. But I wasn't like like crazy fan of tennis. Watching watching Wyatt. I mean, I was watching the main matches, but I wasn't like going there and watching all the matches. I was enjoying life after after my tennis sessions. I was doing other stuff. So I think I got inspiration from from everything that, I, that I've done. You know, other sports, I, I follow NBA, like LeBron James. Of course, my family was really important. Uh, like I said, obviously, the Italian the, the Italian players, uh, Roger Federer, like I said. But then when you, you grow up and you start to see things, uh, for example, I was, I mean, I still admire a lot like Rafa mentality, how he's in, on the court. I, uh, if I can steal like something from Novak, I would feel like his return because he's returning unbelievable. So I, I kind of try to to steal as much as I can from the, these guys, and here I am now trying to to beat them.
0: <laughs> well, and to finish, um, do you feel ready to win a Grand Slam?
1: I mean, that's what I—that's <laughs> what we're we're dreaming about. Uh, now it's tough to say because it's it's been too much time since I I played my last matches. But for sure, that's that's the goal. I mean, that's the goal in the future. I don't know if I'm ready now. We're gonna see after a couple of matches. But that's what I'm working for. So I guess we're gonna figure it out in the future. In next, hopefully, in next year.
0: Well, Matteo, we wish you all the very best. Th- thank you so much for talking with us ahead of. Uh, this fascinating American swing and, and in the bubble and uh, yeah have a have a great have a great time out there. We wish you all the best.
1: Thank you very much. Have a good day. Thanks, Matteo. Bye bye. So,
0: a real pleasure speaking with Matteo Berattini, and we wish him all the best over the coming weeks. Remember, if you want to follow every ball live over the coming weeks and months. ATP Tennis Radio is the place to be. The Western and Southern Open is already underway at the Billie Jean King Tennis Centre. And every day, we are live on air from 30 minutes before the first ball is struck. You can find the live channel on TuneIn, on atptour.com, or simply Google ATP Tennis Radio. However you do it, save the link because the action doesn't stop there. We'll then simulcast the US Open, courtesy of US Open Radio. And after the US Open, it's straight on to Rome and the clay courts for more ATP Masters 1000 action and then Roland Garros, courtesy of Radio Roland Garros, before we bring every ball from the climax of the year. First, the Paris Masters and then finally the NITO ATP Finals in November. It's great to be back. We hope you can join us for lots of live tennis and, of course, another podcast next week too. I'm Seb Lozier. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please search the iTunes store for ATP Tennis Radio to leave a review. Review, review.